How many guys are ready for some spring weather? Anybody? Yeah, me too. Some sunshine. That sunshine was great yesterday. Some sunshine today. And how many of you are NCAA basketball fans looking forward to the tournament? All right. Uh, it's going to be a fun uh, couple weeks watching basketball. Uh, we enjoy it at our home. And my wife's team will be alive and well, Michigan State. Uh, she's excited. She'll be the one rooting in our house. Uh, the rest of us root for Maryland Terps. Uh, so we're hoping for the NIT, not in tournament. Uh, but we're going to enjoy the NCAA tournament today. I'm excited, too, uh, to bring a real truth to you regarding uh, money and uh, how God has set up this incredible principle in Scripture. I love the principles that God sets up in Scripture, how we're supposed to handle his money and the blessings that come as a result of that. Uh, Jesus talked more about money than anything in the Bible. Not Imagine that for a second. If you had a chance to talk about anything, Jesus talked about money. And the reason he did, I'm sure, is because he knew that we would need to hear it over and over again, how to handle it. Because it can be divisive, it breaks up relationships, it it puts us in debt over our ears, and we find ourselves unable to make it because of poor money management. And there are some principles in Scripture that are very clear. And we're going to look at them. I get excited about talking about money. And uh, I hope that you're ready to receive it. Because there are so many blessings that come and principles that come in God's word regarding money. And let me just begin by saying this. There are a couple of views out there of which I highly respect. Uh, One is this one and one where... I believe, uh, I lean on, and then one that I, I, I don't agree with, and we're just going to agree with two of them. There are two principles that out there that we are familiar with, and then one where I believe that God wants us to land on, and if you land on the first one, praise God for that. There is a view out there regarding finances and money that money is dangerous, that somehow if you have too much money or you have too many things, that money will lead you to a place that, that if not handled well, then it doesn't honor God. And literally, many would say this, that you should renounce it, and the more godly you are, the less that you have. It's a poverty view on money. And I, I have some friends. I have people that I highly respect. I read their books. I, I, I love them to pieces, and that's where they land, and I respect that completely. But somehow, their view is that the less you have, the more godly you are. And so that we should work towards where we have nothing, we live on nothing, and God provides. That's the view of the poverty view. The other view is this, the prosperity view. And I believe it's a name that's been hijacked. Um, And that's the group that says... Plant this seed, this dollar, and in return, if you give me one dollar, I'll give you ten back, and that you should have more. And if you're following God, the more godly you are, the more things you have, your cars, your houses, your possessions, your vacation spots, um, everything gets more and more and more, and the world sees it, prosperity view. I land personally on the abundance view, which, which says this, that if we are generous to God with our possessions that are already his, then he'll give back generously. If we give scarcely, then we get scarcely back. I land on this principle that God supplies and is able to supply, and the more generous we are, the more generous the return is on that. We don't believe in prosperity theology here at Grace, 
but I believe personally in the principles of generosity that lead to abundance. Money, I believe with all of my heart, is a tool to glorifying Jesus Christ. And let me just pull away and say this. This isn't a message. Now hear this out. This isn't a message to get something from you. We're not going to pass the offering plate again at the end of the service. However, it's a message to get you somewhere in your walks with God. One that says, I trust you, God. My heart's in a good place. I believe the principles of your word. And I'm going to live those out in my life. Let me just say this also. Many of you, when it comes to giving or what you do with God's money, have been handed down these principles from your parents or grandparents or whomever's been the household person. And so they have watched you and you've watched them and they have said, this is what you should do with God's money. I'm grateful to have a father and a step, or mother and a stepfather who laid the principles of generosity and giving and tithing and offerings. And from the time I was little, my mother and my stepfather would, would lay it out in front of us. We were a lower middle class family, but my parents always gave to God in a generous way. They always gave a minimum of a 10% and they entrusted that into us. Our children, Ann and I's children, know that principle. And since they've been little, they understand if they get they, if they have money, they're given to the local church. They give money, they give an offering, 10%. We're instilling those principles in their hearts already. Let me also just personalize this to give credit to Jesus Christ. This isn't about me or our family or my wife or our kids. Or This is just a desire that Ann and I have had. Our desire has always been and will always be has been that we would give more to God than we give to the government. Like, when you think about it, in our minds, wouldn't you rather give to God than give to the government? Don't you think God can do more with his money and your money than the government can? And so our goal has always been, let's give more to God than we give to the government. And you know what the percentages are. It doesn't matter what the amount is. But in our hearts, that's been a goal. Like, Ann and I have been working towards that. Let's get to a point. Like, that would be exciting, wouldn't it? If at the end of the year, we saw our charitable giving was more than we, the government took. And let me just pull away and say that. People often ask me, Pastor Jim, should I give off the gross or should I give off the net? I, I, I say, do you want God to be generous off the gross or generous off the net? I personally believe, and it's always been a practice of our home and our children, to give off the gross. I, I say this, does the government take off the gross or take off the net? <laughs> they take off the gross. So needs to say, let me just celebrate with you. Yesterday, um, we, we pay quarterly and we're self-employed and so we set around set our taxes out. Anne does a phenomenal job of that. She's an accounting uh, guru and great with numbers and, and that's kind of been her gig. And our son, older son Josh is an accountant, uh, a CPA, actually just got moved to a management position at Kruger Lawton firm in, in Elkhart. And he came to our home yesterday and, and did our taxes that we're sending in. And praise God, he did it for free. We trained him well. Praise God for that. Um, that saved us some money. Uh, we're grateful for that. But this morning, I went to bed earlier last night than Ann did because I go to bed early on Saturday nights because I get up early. I want to give my best on Sunday morning. And she gets, goes to bed earlier, but I get up a lot earlier, 4 a.m. on Sundays. And, and, and in any case, she, when I was leaving today, she said, Jim, guess what? She said, this year, we gave more to God in the local church than we did the government. We're like, whoa! So can you celebrate with me? Just celebrate with me. <laughs> that, 
was awesome. Like, that's awesome to, for us. It, honey, isn't that exciting? Come on, that, that's like high five, air high five right here, right here, right here. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome for us. I mean, I don't know what your goals are, but, and, and, and we have a desire. If you look at the goals in my office, I would love to reverse the tithe, get to a point where we give 90% to God and 10% we keep. It's all his anyhow, and like, and he can return so much more on that. So what are the principles then? Grab your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs chapter 11, and let's just, let's just take a look. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. What are the principles of abundance in the Bible that we can practice and, and, and live out? Turn to Proverbs chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 24 and 25, and let's stand together and read that. This is Solomon's words, and they're, they're full of wisdom, and they're great principles that you and I can live by. Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25. Let's read this out loud together. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Would you read with me, please? Ready, read. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let's read it again. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You may have a seat. What a great principle, like, like biblical principle, that if we live that out, look at the, look at the bonus that comes with that, 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 that we re- receive this. And I would say this, generous giving leads to abundance. And and to set the record straight, it's not your money and it's not my money, it's God's money. And he watches carefully how we use his money. God is the owner and we are the managers of his money, the stewards of his money. But there's a basic principle here in scripture, and we're going to look at some other places, that says if you and I give freely, we will gain even more. And there's this other principle I just love. A generous person will prosper. And many of you have had that modeled by your parents and by your grandparents. Now, I've been in ministry, Pastor Grace Community Church, for 22 years. Praise God for that. Ann and I are grateful for that. We praise the Lord for that. And over the years, we've been in many conversations with people, especially wives. I'll have wives come and say this. Pastor Jim, I would really like to apply this biblical principle in our giving, but my husband won't. He doesn't believe, he's afraid, he doesn't think that somehow God can do more with the 10% than I could do with the 100% that I keep, and he's holding on. What should I do? Like, I want to follow him. I want want him to be the leader, and and so we give him some encouragement there to pray and ask the Lord change his heart. And and so this, this is a big issue. Uh, This is a big deal for a lot of people. And yet the word of God is very clear on what we should do. And look what it says. It says the opposite. If if you give generously, look what it says again. It says a person that gives freely gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. If you withhold it unduly, you will come to poverty. Here's what I know to be true. It means you hold it in an excessive manner, in a worried manner. Like, Lord, I can't trust you. I can do a better job, Lord. But I got all these bills. We have all these things and we're buried. And there's no way we can give, God, because it's impossible. And so what you've said is that you can do better than what God can do with your money. 
Let me just put it this way. There is not an investment company in the world that can give the return that Jesus can give. Can I get like six amens over here? Do you really believe that? Like your broker, your investment, dude, your bank, no one, no one can do what God can do with his money. No one can do better than him. And by the way, people often say this. I hear them say this, and hopefully you're not the one that says this. But Pastor Jim, if I had more, I would give more. Let me just say something. If you're not giving in less, why would you give more when you have more? It's a heart issue. And so if you already aren't giving in less, it's a heart issue. Do you think by God giving you more or you get more that somehow your heart's going to change because you have more? And we're going to see in Scripture, it has nothing to do with the amount that you give. It's a heart issue. So if you're not giving in less, don't dare think somehow that God's going to give you more because he knows that you're going to give more. The principle is if you're generous, he's generous. If you give less, then scarcity and poverty will come upon you. Generosity has nothing to do with income level. You say, how do you know that, Pastor Jim? Well, just look. Turn to Mark chapter 12. Just open your Bibles and and, and turn over to the New Testament. Let's just see what the New Testament has to say about giving. Mark chapter 12. If it's true, like, oh, if I had more, I'd give more. Just like I don't have much, so I can't give much. And it has nothing to do. It's a hard issue. Mark chapter 12. And there's no way if you get more that you're going to give more. If you're not giving in less. Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 41 through 44. It said, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the what were put. What does it say? Offerings. And he, what's the word? And he what? The crowd. Watch the crowd putting their what? Money into the temple treasury. Now just, just pause. Jesus sat down, it says. He sat down opposite the crowd. And it says he watched. The people give their money into the treasury. So he's watching. He was saying, huh, oh, okay, yeah, wow. It says he sat down and watched the crowd giving, and look what it says now. Many rich people threw in, what kind of amounts? Large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper, what? Coins. Worth only how many cents? A few cents. So it says Jesus calling his disciples. Hey, come here, come here, come here. He's, he's seated down. He's watching. He's, he's, it's offering time in church. And Jesus has been watching. He says, hey, hey, Simon, Peter. Hey, hey, John. Hey, hey, Luke, come here, come here, come here. Hey, Matt, come here, come here. L- l- let me tell you something. I've been watching. It was offering time. And I've been watching. And I want to tell you what I saw. And look what he said. So he pulls him over. He says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Wait, come on, Jesus. Two copper coins, crying out loud. And then he said this. They all gave out of their what? Wealth. But she gave out of her what? Poverty. Put in how much? Everything. All she had to live on. And Jesus said her two small copper coins were worth more than the wealth of the rich man. Why? Because she gave out of everything. It was a heart issue. And Jesus says, hey, 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 
Let me tell you, those guys with all that other stuff they gave doesn't compare. She gave everything. But Jesus, it's like, it's two pennies. And they're not even ending pennies. But Jesus, how can? Because she gave out of her poverty, she gave everything. You see, we're going to find out another biblical principle that Paul addresses too. I'll turn to 2 Corinthians. Here, here, here it is, 2 Corinthians. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Keep, keep going, New Testament, farther down. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is who's pretty straightforward shooter. And in, in chapter 9, uh, he, he lays out this generosity principle in Scripture. And he, he says this to the church at Corinth. He was moved by the Holy Spirit, carried by the Holy Spirit to say this. And so this is what God wanted us to hear today. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 6. He says this. Remember this. Whoever sows how? What's the word? Sparingly will also reap what? Sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap what? Generously. And so here's the principle. If you sow generously, you reap generously. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. And then he says this. Look look what he says. Each of you should give what he has decided or you have decided in your heart to give. Not how. What's the R word? Reluctantly. Or under what? Compulsion. For God loves what kind of giver? Cheerful giver. And then look at this. Like, oh my goodness. This is so, like, I love talking about this. Because there's so many truths here. Look what he says. And God is able to bless you, Grace Community Church, followers of God, people of the way. And how can he bless you? What's the A word? Abundantly. So that in how many things? And how many times? And having what? All that you what? Need. You will abound in every good work. So he says, if we do this, God blesses in all things, in all times, and having all that you need. He promises to do that. That's a good promise. And then he says this, as it is written, Paul says, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. But watch what else happens. Some stop there. Like, this is just awesome. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, God, and bread for food, will also supply and do what with your store of seed? Increase it. And will what? Your harvest of righteousness. Enlarge it. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on how many occasions? Every. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And then Paul says this. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So look again, look, look how we said we should give. Verse seven, and each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. That is thoughtful preparation. That's saying this year, this week, next week, this month, when I receive this income that God has so graciously given me this job, this investment, whatever it is, this is what we choose to give. It's thoughtful preparation. It's not showing up on Sunday morning and then thinking, how much can we give? It's not leftover. It's saying, we're going to give this amount. It's thoughtful preparation prior to the time that the offerings are giving. 
to, to you. It's, it's what you've decided to give. In fact, if your present financial situation, your, your present financial situation have nothing to do with your giving. It's thoughtful preparation. And for us, it's, we believe that the tithe is the beginning. That's the beginning. Offerings are on top of that. And our goal has been to give more to the government or God than we do the government. It's thoughtful preparation because we believe if we're generous, God will be generous. Not only do we receive back, but we're going to show you the generosity that he gives us because of that. So, so let me just ask you. The offering plate goes by. There's a variety of ways that we, we give. I have a, um, a packet full here of Asian money. It's, it's from Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand and China and Hong Kong and I mean, it looks like I got, I mean, I'm looking good, huh? But it's just pennies. It's, it's pennies. But for sake of this illustration, in fact, in Vietnam, when you go to Vietnam, and I've been there, um, flew into Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon, and um, it was an incredible opportunity to take the gospel there. 100 U.S. dollars is 1.5 million dong. You get to be a millionaire, like, with a hundred bucks. Like, yeah, how you doing? Good. <laughs> but think about when the offering comes by. Here's the posture. Remember, remember this. This passage we read says, Jesus was watching as they went and gave. So, did you thoughtfully prepare before you came to the service? There's all kinds of giving. There, there's that person who's unplanned, like, the offering plate goes by and, and, and Pastor Jeremy says, hey, we're about to take offering and, 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 and it's unplanned. It's like, ah. and it goes by. You didn't plan. You didn't come prepared. Or there's that person that, 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 that acts surprised. Like the offering plate comes by. Oh, forgot. Or there's that person, you know, because you're more concerned about what others think instead, and you forgot God's sitting across the room watching. And so you're more concerned about someone beside you. Think, and so you, the offering plate goes by and you do that fake move. Nothing. Like, how many of you done that one? Or you're that person who forgot why you're giving and you think it's all about you. And, and so... The offering plate, you, like you, you checked out the last song. You, you haven't heard anything Pastor Jeremy said, and you're, like, you're waiting, you got your money. Like, and the offering plate comes by, and you're like, <laughs> then there's that person who, who, who uh, isn't prepared. They, they give what's left over, they're called the pocket givers. And so the offering plate's going by, and they're just digging. You, know, you see them. Oh, <laughs> And then there's that person who doesn't give prepared, but they give because they've been forced, because his wife has said, you better give. <laughs> so the plate comes by and he knows, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> and so the plate comes by and he... How do you give? How'd you give today? Did you prepare in advance? 
Did you give reluctantly? Did you do the fake move? Did you forcefully give? Or, what's the passage say? It says that not only can we give this way, it says not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. Not reluctantly. That means this. It means I'd rather not, but if I have to, then all right, God. Only by giving are you able to receive more than you already have. Or not because you're compulsed to or forced to, but cheerfully. You see, every time you give cheerfully, you break materialism in your heart. Let me tell you a time I, I, uh, I went to church, and before I say that, one of the things I appreciate and love, thousands of things about my wife, and one of the things she's always done before emojis were even emojis, um, on our offering envelopes, Anne has always wrote the amount, and we, we agreed together, we prepared, and she would always put a smiley face. She said, that was my way to give cheerfully. And so she would just give. Like even before there were emojis. I've seen people who give cheerfully in churches. James McDonald's church, Harvest Church in Chicago, when the offering comes or ready to give, his pastor will come out, whether it's whomever it is, and say, hey, we're about ready to take the offering. His, he'll come out and say, we're going to take the offering. And as soon as they say we're about ready to take the offering, the whole church goes. <laughs> a few years back, I went to T.D. Jake's church in Texas, and I sat in for a service with the other 10 million people. And I was sitting there. It was a great service, by the way. Phenomenal message. Uh, I was challenged and convicted and affirmed. And I was seated there with a group of other pastors, and it was just an amazing uh, message, and it was offering time. So I was prepared what I'm normally prepared for, and so uh, the, the associate pastor came out and said, we're about ready to take the offering. Someone jumped on an organ, and ladies that had hats this big stood up, and they started waving their offering. People started dancing through the aisles, running around, and I remember sitting there and looking at Jeff beside me and saying, what the world is going on? <laughs> you know what was going on? They were cheerfully giving because they knew what it meant to give to their God. Wouldn't it be something on a Sunday morning here at Grace Community Church when we get to that point, we finish up with a song and we're saying we're about to take our tithes and offerings and lights go down low. By the way, when I was at T.D. Jake's church, lights went up, music got loud. Wouldn't it be something if we say we're about to get the offering, everyone said, woo! Hey, can we practice? We're about to give the offering. No, no, no. We're about to give the offering. Why? It's a chance for us. To show God that our hearts believe in him. And that we believe in this principle of generosity. You see, that's not it. Like, that would be great enough. But watch what happens next. Like, that's why I love talking about this. Look, look what happens next. Look at verse 8. And if we do this, God is able to bless you how? Abundantly. So that in how many things? What to say? And in how many times? Oh. Having what? All. all that you what? Need. 
So I'll read again. So that in all things, all the time, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And I want to say, what part of all isn't all? What a blessing attached to that. So let me ask you a question. Are you giving scarcely or generously? Are your finances all turned upside down? Maybe it's a heart issue. And you're somehow thinking that you are a better broker with 100% than God is with 10% and you the other 90%. And maybe the very reason you're not seeing what you desire to see in your life, in your marriage, in your future, is because you don't have your heart full of a generous spirit that says, God, I can't wait. I can hardly wait to Sunday. Woo! To give. To you. Look at the benefits that come. All things, all things. Then, and he says, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. And then here, here, here's the abundance part. Look what happens. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Look at that. You will have a Abundance. It will multiply your seed. It will multiply your finances. He says, God says, if you give, I'll give back. Wherever you plant in the ground, the seed will grow. Job, career, investment, dream, realize. Not a message to get something, but to get you somewhere. God is saying, if you give, I'll just keep giving back. If you give generously, I'll just keep giving generously back. And maybe the reason you're not seeing the dreams that you want and the breakthroughs that you want is because your heart is callous and cold to giving. And maybe the reason your finances are turned upside down is because you don't trust God with what he wants you to trust him with. That's not it. Like, that, that, like, that would be great, but it gets better. Then he says in verse 10, and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. What's that mean, Pastor Jim? You're telling me. No, I'm not telling you. The word of God's telling me that a man who was carried along by the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said, speak this. I'm not telling you. I'm telling you what the Spirit said. Spirit said, I will enlarge your righteousness, abundance of righteousness. What's that, Pastor Jim? Like, look, what do you mean that somehow that there'll be a harvest of your righteousness? That means this, that maybe that stubborn sin in your life that you can't overcome, Maybe, maybe just maybe that addiction will be broken. Maybe that gift that you possess reaches its full potential. Maybe that grudge you've been holding, maybe a fresh sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's promptings. Maybe it's a freedom from material things. And maybe there's a level of contentment that comes because you've been generous. And God says, if you're generous, I'll give you abundance of righteousness so that I get greater glory. Isn't that why we're here? Like, I want, give me some of that stuff. That's not it. That's not it. Hold on. Get better. Then he says this. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is overflowing, is overflowing, is overflowing. And many expressions of thanks to God. An abundant ministry where lives are changed because of you and your gifts. 
Many people and more and greater impact breakthrough with that music gift, speaking gift, whatever your gift is, serving gift. Breakthrough and abundant ministry, abundant relationships. God's going to surround you with hundreds and thousands of people, healthy, supporting, godly relationships and friendships and the right people to get you connected and help you through advancing the kingdom together. How did that all come? By having a generous spirit. Listen, if you're given generously, God will bless you. If you're given scarcely, guess what? You will produce poverty scarcity. It's not rocket science. And please, please, don't be that person who says, but I don't have enough to give. You got it all turned upside down. That's why you're in the place you're in. You see, money is a test for us. And let me show you someone who was tested and didn't do a very good job. Turn to Matthew chapter 26. Just, just turn back to Matthew chapter 26. Look at it. Here it here, here is. I mean, all right, Pastor Jim, give me an example then. I want to see what happens when someone thinks that money is their way to freedom and happiness and show me Pastor Jim what God's word said. I've heard your stories, blah, 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 blah. Go, go, go turn to Matthew chapter 26, 14 to 16. You got an agenda, Pastor Jim. I want to see what the word of God says. Here, here it is. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14. Then one of the what? What's, what's 12? Now, who, who, who's 12? That's the inner circle. That's those who sat with Jesus. That's those who knew him well. That's those who cast out demons. That's those who led many to Christ. That's, that, that's those who sat with Jesus around table, uh, suppers at night, around fires, and played and ate fish and played king of the hill with Jesus. The, the, these are 12. It says, Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Jesus, over to you. So they counted him out 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So Judas says, I'll sell out Jesus for 30 pieces. Like, this money. I couldn't think what I could do with that. (laughs) Oh, man, I could do a lot with 30 pieces of silver. Well, what, what did happen after he got it? Well, turn to Matthew chapter 27. Look at verses 1 to 5. Matthew 27, verses 1 to 5 says this. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When who? Who is it? Judas. Who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned. He was seized with what? Remorse and returned the how many pieces of silver? 30. To the chief priests and elders. And he said this, I have what? Sin. For I have betrayed innocent blood. Look at their response. <laughs> Judas, what's that to us? That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and what? Left. Then he went away and hanged himself. See, hear me, hear me, hear me. Please, don't be Judas. You see, here's what Judas thought. Judas saw money as a chance to advantage himself. Yet, as with everyone else, listen, please listen. He despised what he got when he realized what he lost to get what he now has. It wasn't worth it. So picture them. 
Jude's like, man, if I can get 30 pieces of silver, imagine what I could buy with that. I am willing to sell out Jesus and his name and my testimony because my heart believes a lie. And I am going to sell Jesus out. And I will be content because my ways are better than Jesus' ways. And it says after he got it, he realized it didn't bring him contentment. And he had remorse and said, I have sinned. And he went out and hung himself. You see, we often think that money is the vehicle to happiness or contentment. And we are willing to do most anything we can on our own, believing lies that we can't give to God because we have this and need that and this is our state. And that somehow our management of money is a much better plan than God's. So money is a test of self-control. You see, hear me out. Don't spend more than comes in. Money is a test of self-control, but Pastor Jim Spring is coming in that outfit. It's like awesome. Do you have cash to pay for it? But Pastor Jim, that car, it's and you should see it. And they're willing to give me a deal. They're giving me $5,000 for this $3,000 car. And I'm willing to go in debt so I look good. See, it's a test of your self-control. Even good things. Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Even good things. But Pastor Jim, I want to make a difference over there and I want to do this and I want to, I want to be able to do this for you. And, and you know what? I'm going to sell the farm and I'm going to go into debt over my ears to make it happen. Listen to me. Do you think that's God's plan? Well, Pastor Jim, I, I need to be in debt. And so people ask me, okay, Pastor Jim, all right, all right, all right, big boy, answer this one. Then why do we buy houses? That's debt, isn't it? That's more than you know. My response is simple to that. <laughs> when you purchase something, make sure you're purchasing something with God's money that appreciates over time. <laughs> and homes appreciate over time. Let me tell you something. Your car doesn't. Listen to me. We drive a Jeep. I'm just, this is this credit to God. A Jeep Commander, I love it. 225,000 miles on it. 225,000 miles. We paid cash for it. And drives a convertible Mustang. You're like, whoa, they paid a lot for that, didn't they? Look at her. She looks good in it, too, I'll tell you. I got on Craigslist. There was a dude in Chicago, and it was near her birthday. And we had paid the other car off, and we had put money back. I went up there and bought a Mustang for my bride, convertible, white, rolls down the top, $3,000. We don't owe anything on our vehicles. Why? 
because that's not appreciable investment. Let me just keep, keep, keep thinking what, what, what can happen. Money is a test of integrity or of integrity. Do you cheat on your taxes? It's tax time. Employers, do you not write down and include the money that you've paid people for labor and you've given it under the table? Let me ask you, those of you who've earned money, do you write down what you've been paid from people as income on your taxes? Are you asking God to generously bless that? Do you cut corners on your Craigslist and eBay products that you put out there and say, you can have this for this, and you know, like, it's got like six good weeks. <laughs> Are you good with your integrity? You see, money is a test of your love for God's people, too. Do you help others financially without expecting, even sometimes recording as a tax credit, or is it everything tax credit? I gave 74 cents, a kid was standing in line. He needed 74, and yeah, tax, 74 cents. Do you see a need, and, and this is your mode of operation? I'll call the church when God says, you are the church. And you just pass it off, and maybe he wants you to take care of it. You see, money is a test of your love for God, too. Look, look at the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, it's... it's Money is a test of your love for God. Malachi chapter 3. Look at verse 6, and it says this. Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But if you ask, how will we return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, see, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store. And I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And before you say, that's an Old Testament principle. Well, let me tell you, Genesis has record of Abraham giving a tithe to Melchizedek before the law, 400 years before the law was instituted. We have history records of people, church history, where they tithe and gave offerings. And by the way, Jesus never lowered the bar in the New Testament. He would never expect less from a wealthy New Testament Christian than he did a poor Old Testament Israelite who was living by the law. So what's he say? He says, I do not change. Return to me and I'll return to you. It's never too late. And he says, you rob me. And you say, how are you robbing me? And your tithes and offerings. And the only way you can be called a robber is when you take something that's not yours. And when we don't give back a minimum of 10%, we rob God. Robbing. Why? Because God's the owner. And we're the manager. Verse 9 says this. Well, look, look what happens 
Look at how he says, you are under a curse then, your whole nation. You might say, Pastor Jim, what curse was the Old Testament? Yeah, it was the Old Testament. And Jesus became our curse on the cross. But you, you won't be under a curse, New Testament, but you will now be consequenced, consequenced for not giving to God. Yes, we're free for the penalty and power of sin, but not the presence of sin. And, and, and the principle here, New Testament, Solomon, is we reap what we sow. Read on. Look, look what it says in Jesus. The word of God and the spirit of God says in verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. Okay, okay here's, here's the other question. Pastor Jam. But the Bible says, never test God. Let me show you in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Don't test God. Chapter 6. Pastor Jim, New Testament. We'll go New Testament. Luke chapter 4 and verse 12. No one should test the Son of God. So you might ask me. That seems like a contradiction. So Pastor Jim, you're saying that God says to test him, but the Bible says don't test him, so I'm going to choose two out of three. Here's my answer to that question. Don't test God unless he says, test me. (laughs) And he's saying, test me. With your giving and your tithes and your offerings. You see, don't test him unless he says, test me. In medieval times, uh, the night, and some of you can recall this, and when he wanted to go after someone, he would put on, his medieval knight gloves. They looked a lot different than this. But these are kind of nice. They're sweet, warm. So the knight would come out and he would put on his gloves. And it's where we get the term throw down the gauntlet. And so the knight would come out. If he wanted to take someone on, he'd just come out. He'd point. And he'd find someone that he wanted to take on. And he would take off his gloves. And he would throw them down. He said, let's get it on. You and me. (laughs) He would take these gloves and he would throw down the gauntlet. Come on, test me. Come on. I double dog dare you. Let's get it on. He threw down the gauntlet. And God is saying to you and me, 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 let's get it on. Don't you think that you can trust me? Don't you think that 10% of my money in my hands is better than 100% in your hands? Let's get it on. Test me in this. And see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and bless you in an abundant way. Now, come on, come on. I want me some of that. You see, this passage is meant to spur you into faith. Generous giving opens the floodgates of heaven. That's not it. Like, that's awesome. It's not it. It's like, we still got more. Like, oh my goodness. Like, why I love talking about it. Look at verse 11. Look, look, look at this. And he says, if you do this, I will prevent what? Pest 
from doing what to your crops? Devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, the devourer, one translation has, I will prevent the devourer from coming and devouring. You know who the devourer is? Satan and his cohorts, demons. And you know what it means to devour something? It's your 16-year-old woofing down a Big Mac in two bites. It's saying, I will pack man your house and your finances. I will. And the passage says this. If you trust in me, if you test me in this, and you believe you're generous and you give minimum tithe, then what I will do, I will stop the enemy, the devourer from chomping on your children, from chomping on your dreams, from, from coming after your marriage, from devouring everything. Okay, let's make it very practical. Husbands, husbands, husbands. You're the gatekeeper. You are. You have a chance to stand at the front door of your house and say, <laughs> not on my watch. You see, the second we don't apply the principle of giving that's in the word of God, we step out of the way and the enemy woofs down everything. But if we apply the principles of God's word, we stand strong in the Lord because his arsenal of angels will stop anything the enemy brings. Oh, come on. That's good. That's good preaching. Amen. <laughs> then it says this in verse 12. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. The reason we do it is to bring God glory. This is where it could all turn around for you. Oh God, I pray that something would click. I pray that fear would leave and we would start giving out of our little. We would start believing even though the numbers don't crunch because your math doesn't make sense. But we would start believing that generous people who give generously will get a generous, abundant return. And that ultimately, you get greater glory. And those who give scarcely will get in return scarce return. And their homes will be devoured. Their dreams will be woofed down. But God, you said, test me in this. And see that I will not be willing to throw open the floodgates of heaven. And that your life, your ministry, your relationships, your finances, the seeds that God has planted you as a servant will be so many that I, you won't be able to keep up with it. Oh God, may we be that church when the offering plate comes that says, <laughs> Amen. I ask you to stand in closing. Please stand and we're going to pass the offering plate. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Hey, that hurt one. Woo! 
And I ask you to grab this skull list when you came in. And, and here's one of the reasons we believe that Grace Community Church is a good place to give to. These are the goals for the coming year, and hopefully you'll see that it's worth it. I'm going to read them quickly, and so just follow along. It says, pray and ask God to use us to lead 1,500 people to the saving power of Jesus Christ, disciple and lead 3,000 people in weekly attendance, with 500 of them being new to Grace Community, plunge 500 people into public baptism as they become to gloriously say, develop an army of 300 prayer warriors to pound the hallways of heaven Wednesday in the South Auditorium, new name. We're going to talk about that for prayer encounter. Create a fresh, life-giving Father-Son weekend at the Lodge. Plan and host the first ever Men Are Back conference and see 350 men become mighty warriors for Jesus. Spark and assemble a new team to reach out to our precious Hispanic community. Open the park at Grace. Woo! And watch God use it to connect thousands from our community. First step to trust in Jesus. See an uprising of energetic, spirit-filled volunteers to come alongside and lead fourth through sixth grade students. Develop a marriage strategy, discipleship journey that keeps marriages from crisis mode. Fall madly in love with the God of the Bible after reading the Bible daily as a church, gain an international platform for Jesus and use it to lead millions to Jesus, encourage attendees to experience the South Auditorium on Sundays so that we can accommodate our growing church, create an environment where transparency and vulnerability prevail so that those bound in addictions can be set free, plan eight, exciting, life-changing, fun, and friendly blitzes that point people to Jesus, encourage every man and woman to jump where God is moving in a powerful way and find their people so they can find their person to do life with, reach the local fishing community with an exciting fishing tournament that becomes the first step into grace community develop a team using our outbuildings at the lodge who can work on vehicles to assist single parents and widows in need hire the brightest fittest godliest best suited teammates to help reach deeper into 150k on church people of Elkhart County seek God for new mission points he wants us to link arms with so that thousands more come to a saving knowledge of Jesus become the most generous giving church on planet earth where every attendee gives a minimum of 10% of their income huh Woo-hoo! build a new disc golf course at the lodge that brings people from all walks of life onto the property so that we can make a bridge to Jesus with them redesign and rethink all of our printed and digital signs to better catch the vision and connect our community elevate our hours and property at the lodge so that thousands can refresh refuel and come alive host First ever, a worship service at the fairgrounds that witnesses in the grandstands, thousands in attendance, and hundreds trusting in Jesus as their Lord and Savior this year at the Elkhart County Fair. Woo-woo! Witness an explosion of new teenagers utilizing our new junior-senior high center, watching God radically change their lives. Schedule and plan six worship experience outside of the regular Sunday morning time so that Jesus gets greater glory. Plan a church-wide day of fasting and prayer where we beg God to do the unthinkable in our midst. Dedicate, party, and celebrate the new construction's completion. Woo! Host and lead a men's conference in Iraq to strengthen them to become godly leaders in their homes, workplaces, churches, and country. Find more ways to reach deeper into the Syracuse community so that it can be one to Jesus. Pay off the mortgage and be completely debt-free. Woo-woo! Listen, that could happen if you and I and all of us trusted God with the resources he has given. The money is here. His money's here. We could pay that puppy off in no time if we trusted in God. All right, that's I, mean, I feel like preach, Jim. Just preach. That's good. Amen. Amen. Assist, support, and pray for all local churches and pastors so that thousands commit to Jesus. 
Position us as a church that our building is flooded with people utilizing our gym, workout rooms, and the park to bridge and connect into healthy relationships with each other. Host summer camps that bridge friendships with people far from God. Witness with our own eyes 10 unexpected miracles of God that lead people saying, only God could do that. Send, help, equip, and prepare 20 people to be sent out for Christian vocational ministry. Gain greater influence in our community and surrounding communities with our colleges. Become the fittest, healthiest, bravest, fearless group of frontline followers of Jesus the world has ever seen ignite and add fuel to our fire of our 18 to 28 year pursuit group so that the walls of the lodge can't contain them stir a fresh spark of revival in the hearts of grace attendees so that they shake it up in every area that they have settled in see every attendee become passport owners so that they are ready at a moment's notice to go and serve on our 10 planned missions trips Break the chains of alcohol, drugs, nicotine, gluttony, adultery, lust, gossip, laziness, and other addictions so that people can serve God in freedom and power. Be willing in a moment's notice to do whatever God moves us, even if it means rethinking everything. Be known in our community as a church that loves people and loves Jesus and a great team player with other Christians to elevate the work of Jesus. Develop our green space south of us into a recreational and ministry opportunity spot to reach our community for Jesus. Find the freshest spirit-led ways to lift up the name of Jesus in our large group worship gatherings. Laugh more, believe more, doubt less, celebrate more, and live like we believe. Jesus, come back today. Amen? See you next week.